that we were made to be free from the kind of resentment and bitterness and angst that comes from holding on to grudges like that. And we are given the gift then of wholeness as a response to living in a way that is whole and holy. Welcome to This Whole Life, a podcast for all of us seeking sanity and sanctity, and a place to find joy and meaning through the integration of faith and mental health. I'm Pat Millay, a Catholic speaker, musician, and leader, and I'm here with my bride, Kenna, a licensed marriage and family therapist. This is the stuff she and I talk about all the time, doing dishes in the car on a date. We're excited to bring you this podcast for educational purposes. It's not therapy or a substitute for mental health care. So come on in, have a seat at our dining room table, and join the conversation with us. We are so glad you're here. So listen to me now. I'm not going to stand here with my friends down and out. It is this whole life, and we are back. Live with you. Never uh, live, babe. Never, never live. live. Heavily never live. edited, actually. I am live with you and with you, all right? <laughs> we pride ourselves on our editing. <laughs> oh, but it is great to be with you, even if you're listening to this three years later, and it's the furthest thing from live. It's great to be with you. Great to be with both of you today. I'm here with my beautiful bride, Kenna Malay. Good to see you. Good to see you. And our beautiful priest friend, <laughs> Father Nathan. Why, thank you. I'm flattered. I don't get called that very often. So. <laughs> oh man. Well, um, why don't we just get right down into it? We got a great conversation today. Ladies first. Highs Start us off with highs and okay. hards. Yes, please. Um, yeah. So um, this is uh, in actual time, it is Advent. And um, I would say the hard is maybe an, an occupational hazard is that I get to be in the the real mess and the muck of people's lives. And so I think when the world is sending these cues of like, it's the most wonderful time of the year and like be holly jolly and you know, just all these like, and I am so aware of, of my own, but, but of others suffering and grief and financial distress. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's real in 2023. Mm-hmm. Um, and just, yeah, strained relationships and just, just all of it. Like that is hard um to be it's also so so much the season of advent to just hold this dialectic of the both hand um but acutely aware of that and and as you pat often will say to me like and there is joy so so that that hard that navigating it and negotiating it and like being here on earth <laughs> this side of heaven um with people who are hurting and and my own hurt for sure uh, my own grief. So that has been the hard, like, how do I show up authentically and carry this? Um, I would say highs lately um, include, uh, we just had a, we've talked a bit about our oldest who just turned 13 and we've had some challenging topics. She calls them modern ideas. <laughs> I feel like um, I just like love that. Like I was yeah, like, right. what are modern ideas? Um, Says the woman from 1850. Yes, you know that? Yes, totally, totally. Um, and 
just the grace of the Holy Spirit and a lot of therapy years behind me, I've given her space to just talk about what she thinks of mm. these quote modern ideas and and what does or doesn't make sense to her, what questions she has. And it's um, honestly not a place I saw myself ever in parenting. Like I just, I don't know that I ever envisioned I'd have this approach or response to her, um, but it it just feels so good. And I just am so thankful to the Lord. I can see how he has grown me to tolerate the mm. distress and the discomfort. And like, this is just the tip of the iceberg, right? Like this is just the beginning of our kids asking big questions or making big decisions that maybe I don't agree with or don't think are in their best interest mm -hmm. and honoring their free will and giving them guidance. Like just, there's so many layers to it, but it's been so, so good. And I can see how God is in the midst of those conversations. So yeah, shout out to all those who have gone before us, who are parents who have <laughs> raised us to be these grownups. Um, it is not for the faint of heart. So yeah, that's that's me in a nutshell. Um, Father, what about you? So my high and hard are one and the same. Okay. Uh, so a couple weeks ago, my dear priest friend, my mentor, my inspiration for the priesthood, Father Jeff Heward, uh, passed away unexpectedly. Mm -hmm. um, he had had some health stuff, but he was only 68. And and I think this is why it's, it's both a high and a hard is I've been having a lot of conversations with other priests and just seeing how big of an impact he has had on so many voc vocations. Mm -hmm. uh, he's, mm -hmm. he's a spiritual director in the seminary for years. I mean, almost his entire priesthood was spent directing young men and women. And mm. I know at least for myself, like I can, I can, Honestly say, without any exaggeration, I would not be a priest without him. Um, mm -hmm. He was the one that saw me freaky and weird and spiked hair and trench coat. And he still asked me if I thought about the seminary. And I asked him what powers you get as a priest. And he was <laughs> super confused. So many, so many powers. Like X-ray vision. <laughs> and so I, um, yeah, and he was just so patient with me. Um through seminary. So like there, there's a deep ache of loss, which is the hard, but also to just like immense gratitude to see how much one priest's life can affect, oh. um, people, especially on this local level. So, you know, and especially, you know, we're, we're going moving towards Christmas. And so, um, as always happens every year, we've had a slurry of funerals. Uh, and so it, there's just been a lot of, a lot of death and just hearing other people, how they're processing their loved ones, um, and how, they saw them as treasures and just to see the interconnectedness. Um, but most pointedly with Father Jeff Heward. So hmm. That's probably my high and my hard. Yeah. That's and I, beautiful. Yeah. I've heard many priests quote him like mm -hmm. verbatim. Like he just um, clearly is imprinted in your minds and hearts. So yeah. Thanks for sharing a bit about how he impacted you. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thanks for that. Um, my high for sure. It's the most wonderful time of the year, man. <laughs> <laughs> this episode will release on, I think, Christmas Eve 2023. So if you're listening to this on like June 22nd, I, I'm sorry. And I know that it's weird if it's 87 degrees outside. But for me, Christmas time is 
where I shine in a lot of ways. I just love it. I As love you sit here in a red and green plaid shirt. Correct. I didn't even plan that out. Yeah. It's kind of a Christmas plaid shirt I have on right now. I know. <laughs> but I, I just love like, I love the family time. I love the food. I love the movies. I love the decorations. I love the music. It just, it all is a whole vibe for me and I love it so much. And I inflict that love upon all the people that are close to me and Kenna has to tolerate it uh, quite a bit. Um, the hard is, I think, related, and this is probably, it's going to sound uh, deeper than it probably is, but it is like this thing in my life where like um, the, the, my hopes and dreams for like the perfect Christmas, capital T, capital P, capital C, are always hilarious in my mind because they will never be lived up to. You know, there's always a gap between what I wish Christmas or what I expect Christmas to be like and what reality allows us in our normal daily life. You know, I was watching Christmas Vacation while doing dishes a few nights ago, of course, because that's on my mandatory Christmas movie list every year. And a big part of that movie is at the beginning when uh, Clark Griswold's wife says to him, you just build these things up in your mind and nothing can ever live up to these expectations. And he he goes, when have I ever done that? And she (laughs) takes a minute and goes... Birthdays, anniversaries, family vacations, first day of schools, and he just starts <laughs> rattling through and he just turns off the light. And anyway, so I am guilty of that. You and also, it helps me to realize that we were not made for this world. And it's a good reminder to me that, like, the best that this world has to offer will still be disappointing because we're not just made for Christmas lights and nice music, you know, Thinky like pudding. Figgy pudding. <laughs> someday I want to have figgy pudding just to say that I have. Yeah. And I want to tell someone, now bring me some figgy pudding. That's what I want to. <laughs> and just to be fair, if Elf on a Shelf were to come alive, it would be Pat. Yes. yes. The advantage is legit until last night at like 930, I put together these tiny little bud vases of these winter berries and winter white flowers. I have done zero decorating in our house. Our entire wow. house is courtesy of Pat and his minion elves called our children. Like he is, they are it drinking is, the Kool-Aid with Jack. It is a little bit of like when Buddy the Elf decorates his family's apartment in the middle of the night without their permission and he destroys the TV like cabinet to make a rocking chair or rocking horse you know anyway so i'm guilty of that for sure yeah Yeah. no it's good please forgive me for being overzealous (laughs) because we're talking forgiveness oh i see what you did there maybe in more significant ways than just someone who's really excited about a holiday um (laughs) but uh this there is no bad time to talk about forgiveness and the importance that it has in the hearts and minds and including in the mental health of humans all over the world. But I would say that if you do happen to be listening to this sometime around Thanksgiving, Christmas, that this time of year, which you referenced, Kenna, can be a really difficult time in some ways for a lot of folks with family relationships, with long-standing tensions and pains and hurts and even really terrible things that people have done to each other and have never been resolved or forgiven. This is a, a really... Um, kind of crucial time of year for the topic of forgiveness to come up in in our minds and in our hearts. So it's a great opportunity to reflect on that a little bit today. Um, well, and interestingly, Pat, this time last year, we released the episode 
on navigating difficult relationships. Mm. The three of us recorded that together That's right. in anticipation, again, of folks being with family and, and being among relationships that have a lot of history. And so I love that we're, you know, coming around 365 days later and like our follow-up is like, yeah, and what's the next step? Mm. Like more than just tolerating, but like talking about forgiveness and being active in considering, yeah, what does it look like to forgive? Um, so I know, Father, you've certainly through the confessional and preaching, like been able to, and in direction, been able to share with others a lot about forgiveness. And so we're looking forward to kind of breaking that open. But something that I can say from my seat as a therapist and also as a human, it's just like, it's not intuitive. Mm. And so it it needs to be talked about and we need to consider what are the elements, what are the aspects, because um, I think a lot of other things masquerade as mm-hmm. forgiveness and they're not actually forgiveness, which is why we still stub our toe on them <laughs> so deeply. So yeah, so maybe we can go there, Father. No, I think that's a great point. And I, I think where we get stuck is justice is intuitive. Mm. So I mean, you, just, hmm. you literally just have to watch kids play and they're just like, that's not fair. I yes. get this. I want this. Like, you don't have to teach justice. Like, ain't <laughs> nobody teaching justice. All right. Everyone's very well aware. Forgiveness has to literally be taught. Yeah. Mm. Would you even say that that justice is, like I think about development, like mm. justice is um, innate, inborn, and in that way, not a sign of maturation. That's like correct. forgiveness would actually be an indication that someone is progressing in the human life. And I think this is one of the things too, and I mean, this is where I'm, I'm grateful to be a Christian speaking about this because it is definitely one of the things that we as Christians highlight is the importance of forgiveness. Yeah. But just to be very clear, like in in just kind of world religions and even world philosophies, that that's not always the case. Actually, in, in, in especially in the Greek and the Roman, forgiveness would have been seen as a real weakness, hmm. and so it, it wouldn't have been something sad. It's like Stoicism was really, really the predominant thing, and so it, it's just it's something that's very beautiful in our tradition. And I think that when you combine it with psychotherapy, I think it does really elevate the person to the fullness of what it means to to live. And I, I'm not surprised that when Christ came among us, this was one of the predominant themes that he spoke about uh, because humanity wasn't getting it. Right. Mm. A necessary theme. Yeah. Yeah. They, yeah. they, they, just, he, they love justice. Right. Not a big fan of forgiveness. <laughs> yeah. And it's helpful, to, I think, to acknowledge that for the scope of this episode as well, that what this episode is not going to be is some theological breakdown of the spiritual value of forgiveness. I think all you have to do is read a gospel and you can easily find the spiritual value of forgiveness. I mean, Jesus makes it really, really clear. We will be forgiven to the extent that we forgive others, right? So so that is a different kind of subtopic for a different day. What we're concerned with today is the freedom that forgiveness allows in a mental and psychological way for people, especially who follow Christ. So, I mean, this is just, just this point. So St. Thomas Aquinas, he would say grace perfects nature. It's oftentimes qu- quoted as grace builds upon nature. Right. But even just to look on like the natural level, and this is where the, the self-help books and even like pop psychology have really bit onto forgiveness mm-hmm. because of its psychological benefits. Mm-hmm. And so it's interesting to see the secular fear sphere really kind of push forward with forgiveness language, not because it's moral not because, you know, it's a good thing to do for God. It's literally healthy for you. Hmm. Mm-hmm. And so even just like to read studies, like they've done studies on people who would forgive. 
And they measured blood pressure, they checked in with weight, sleep patterns, overall satisfaction with life, depression and anxiety levels. For the persons that forgive, all of these are low. (laughs) And for the person who doesn't, they're just filled with this angst. So it's just really interesting because, you know, when Christ speaks about forgiveness, it's just about like, this is how you actually are meant to live in reality. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Whereas when the pop psychologist or, you know, self-help person is speaking about it, it's much more of like, how can you self-better you? Mm-hmm. Like and something to put on. Yeah, and- it is. But it's, it's it's how do you set yourself free? Mm-hmm. So there's there's no connection necessarily with other people or even with your higher power. Mm-hmm. It's just it's it, it 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 actually kind of grabs really close to the justice sense. What do I get out of it? Sure, yeah. sure. So like yeah, I'm not going to fix this whole thing that's all wrong over here. But if I forgive and just let it go, I'm actually the victor and I come out better. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which is not how Christ talks about forgiveness at all. So, Which is sounds like it's kind of putting the cart before the horse a little bit. Like the 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 point of forgiveness is not self improvement. It's not just to improve my quality of life. Again, Christ makes it really clear. the The point of importance is to act like God for others, to give mm-hmm. them the same gift that we have been given. One of the benefits of forgiveness, <laughs> if we do it for that purpose, is that we will be in line with the way we were made. That we were made to be free from the kind of resentment and bitterness and angst that comes from holding on to grudges like that. And we are given the gift then of wholeness as a response to living in a way that is whole and holy, you know? So, I mean, I think to, to this point of the kind of the distinction where I've seen this lived out in the secular sphere in a way that like, I'm actually really okay with, because I think it kind of gives a context of the importance for I mean, it's seen as like steps, right? Like I first sure. have to be able to be a free human being before I kind of am able to love people. <laughs> so mm-hmm. like, if I'm constantly looking like, what's my do? The odds of me actually treating someone good aren't great. But if you say like, hey, you know what? I'm actually kind of at peace with the rest of the world. I'm actually able to engage on a level that might lead me to something that's a little bit higher. Mm-hmm. So like 12 step programs, all right? One of the steps, eight, the eighth step talks about you have to go and ask forgiveness for those that you've wronged. Hmm. And it's saying very clearly that you can't get sober until you do this. Hmm. And one of the things that people who are working with recovering addicts have seen is as resentments build, so unforgiveness builds, the people actually seek out their addiction to alleviate the pain. Sure. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so they won't experience freedom until they go to these people and say, Will you forgive me for this? Hmm. And maybe this is getting a little bit too deep into the practicals, but like one of the things I've treasured about this eighth step is that all of the books and teachers about it are so clear. You cannot use the word (laughs) B-U-T. You can't say but. Yeah, yeah. It like negates everything that came before the but. It does. It really does. And you see the justice piece, right? Like. You know, I really, I, I forgive you or no, I ask, I ask forgiveness for the time where I stole your car, but you never share it with me. <laughs> and you're like, um, th- thank you. <laughs> so this is where like in, when you're doing an eighth step, you, you actually are not allowed to use the word, but, hmm. and I think even if we look at this, like we see how attracted we are to justice. So even when we're moving towards forgiveness, we want to throw that B-U-T in to say, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, please forgive me or I forgive you. And then there's the caveat. Yeah. Christ doesn't give caveats. Mm-hmm. 
What's really funny is we literally just had a conversation like three nights ago, you and I, Kenna, about this exact yeah. interplay. Because so th- there are grand levels of forgiveness, like you're talking about, Father, in in addiction and decades long hurts that have happened in families and marriages and relationships. Right? Those are those are a, a level all their own. There are also little things that we need to ask for and offer forgiveness for just day to day. So uh, earlier this week, kind of, you were saying to me, it really irks me <laughs> when you tell me that you're sorry for doing something and then give me at least one, maybe a dozen reasons that you did that thing. Cause the way you said it was like the what what it sounds like you're saying is I, I guess technically I'm sorry, but I really don't need to apologize because I was constrained by all of these extenuating <laughs> circumstances. I didn't actually choose it. I was forced into it. So we're done here, right? <laughs> and it really is like that's that's a that's a constant battle that I have to fight, not just in marriage, but with a lot of different conversations in my life is just admitting that I was wrong, period. <laughs> Well, and I think that, yeah, I mean, first of all, doesn't everyone want to hang out with us at night? <laughs> These are the conversations that we have at like 9.30. Do you ever sleep? I mean, just hearing what you guys do. <laughs> it ended very well. <laughs> it, it did. It did. But yeah, it's it's intensity most of the day. Um, but I'm thinking about two. So if we just go back a little bit, like the, like, Father, what you're saying of people are figuring out that there are impacts, right? Real physiological effects of holding on to grudges, being mm-hmm. resentful, not forgiving um, for ourselves and you know for for those around us. And I know, Father, you introduced me to that AA phrase, and I'm sure I'm going to butcher, but something like like holding on to resentment is like taking a spoonful of poison and hoping the other person dies. That's right. No, you got it. You nailed it. And and it, it, that that is so that is stuck with me because it's so true. Mm-hmm. Like I can think about the times when I have held on to that and how difficult it makes. Um, well, first of all, I'm not living in reality, <laughs> but secondly, um, just the, the, the toxicity that like it exists in me that I just harbor that and hang on to it. Um, so yeah, I don't know if you guys have your like own experiences of that, but I can, I can think of unfortunately quite a few situations yeah. where, um, I have lived that mm-hmm. and it is, yeah, it's real. If I'm honest with myself, that is very real, um, that it doesn't actually accomplish what I was hoping for anyway, by the way, <laughs> and worse, I end up in the red for it. I mean, it is, again, it's the justice piece and why we hold on to it, right? Is like, I'm not going to forgive you because then it says what you did is Okay. So I'm going to keep on holding on to that until justice is done. So until you repent and crawl towards me on your knees or, you know, you say, here's all the wrongs that I've done and you are correct. I'm going to hold on to that because it's owed to me. Hmm. And and it kind of actually it even kind of goes into something that we love to talk about, especially with like kind of our modern era is karma. Mm. Yeah, right. Mm. It's the same kind of a justice thing of like. Oh, oh, go go ahead. You you can do all those bad things. Karma's gonna get you. Yeah, I think Taylor yeah. Swift has a song about. It. <laughs> like, I think she? her whole catalog is about that. <laughs> really, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it is. It's, it comes from a Hindu principle, but it's it's really justice oriented. Is even if I can't get it, this magical force of karma is gonna smack you down. But as you're waiting for that you're doing exactly what Kenna was saying is you're consuming this poison, hoping the other person gets hurt Mm -hmm. when actually what Christ is showing us is you, you can be free right now. 
Yeah. Well, that's exactly the word I was thinking of is free. Like I'm when in those situations, when I've been in that place, like I wasn't free. I think about how much space in my mind was taken up with, you know, just kind of ruminating on it or imagining a situation or like imagining a, a scene of like redemption and like, you know, um, or vengeance worse. Um, and how I am not free. And so who is actually winning? Like, you know, in that, in that moment, like, um, who is actually benefiting from this? Sometimes I don't even think that the person who knows that I'm upset notices, cares, like is aware, like to be perfectly honest, like, I don't know. I'm maybe there are people out in the world harboring resentment against me and I'm not aware of it because that's how it works. (laughs) Like they're the ones holding on to that gross slime. I think of a a time in ministry years and years and years ago where there was a really terrible situation with uh, somebody that I worked with at a parish and somebody who was a volunteer at the parish who were essentially actively working for the end of my job, basically. (laughs) And uh, it... it, You can laugh now. We were not laughing then. We were not (laughs) laughing then, no. (laughs) I'm laughing now because... I was specifically not laughing then, and I was doing exactly what you were talking about, Ken. I was just spending umpteen hours a day obsessing about how this thing was going to get resolved. And of course, when I was all up in my head and I was considering like, well, should I say this? What should I do next? If I do that, it's going to go really badly. I wasn't forgiving during any of that stuff. I, I had to make very concrete steps to forgive after the fact which was good, but I would have been even better served doing little moments of forgiveness along the way too. So I think too, what, when, and you kind of, you actually briefly touched on a pad of when we're creating in our mind what the scenario is going on or what's happening in the other person or mm-hmm. what they're plotting and scheming. And so then the resentment just keeps building. Cause it's like, I can't believe this and this. Mm-hmm. And it's not like even more wrongs have been done. Mm-hmm. It's just that I've been building it to such an exponential level <laughs> that now it's massive and it's actually it's intoxicating. It's all I think about and it's crushing. Mm-hmm. And so again, going back to just some of the self-help 12 step kind of things is just, just the, the imagery, um, that, uh, can I give a couple of practicals? Yeah, is that okay? Please. So the, the imagery of keeping your side of the street clean. Mm-hmm. And I, I love this verbiage because so often what happens in the work of forgiveness is we say forgiveness and reconciliation are exactly the same. And so then we we wait for that piece of like, okay, now we're going to be friends again, or the other person's going to humble themselves. And what 12-step programs say is, no, no, no. Can you just keep your side of the street clean? Mm-hmm. Reconciliation is when both parties come from their sides of the street, shake hands in the middle of the street and go, dude, we're good. We're good. But like, this is like, even the example you gave Pat, right? Is like, okay, maybe there are people that are plotting for your job. There probably was at that point. Um, and as that's happening, you say, okay, what do I have to own on my side? Right. And, and this is, this is that kind of responsibility of the self, which is very sobering and very difficult. But once we clean up the side of our own street, we can actually look over and say, oh man, you got, you got some stuff to do. And when you're ready, Hey, happy to meet you in the center, Mm -hmm. but I'm not going to try to sweep your side of the street. I'm just going to work on the stuff that's binding me and inhibiting me from freedom. Mm -hmm. And I love that delineation because that conflation of forgiveness and reconciliation, I think is so um, difficult for us to get over. And maybe it, maybe it partially is just semantics for us as Catholics that we have an entire sacrament called reconciliation that is all about forgiveness, 
but that's us reconciling with God who is always happy to reconcile with us. Mm -hmm. It does not mean that we receive reconciliation every time we forgive a human being or are forgiven by them. That forgiveness of another person asking for forgiveness doesn't mean that the relationship will be perfectly restored or that it may ever be restored. Mm -hmm. You know, there may be legitimate and very just in the good sense of justice, very just consequences for people's actions down the road, even after the process of forgiveness. Yeah. Well, and just to kind of testify to the impact of that imagery, like that is literally the first thing you ever said to me, Father. Really? It is. Because I met you 11 years ago at a reconciliation service. In the sacrament of reconciliation. In the sacrament of Happy anniversary. I don't remember it and can't speak about it's it. It's all good. It's all good. Friendiversary. So, so, he's like, I will not acknowledge that you were there that night. Um, but, um, but it's a Catholic joke. But um, so, so like that night, the counsel you gave me, it was super brief, but you spoke to me about like, I, I probably had a lot of butts in there and maybe mm. that's part of why, you know, who knows you shared that, but it, it really unlocked something for me mm. that night, which is then why I like chased you around town and made you my spiritual director <laughs> and my friend. But, um, but it, it unlocked something for me because being in a place of resentment and being so focused on all of the defects of other people's streets, because let's be real, they're there, <laughs> um, had me stuck. Like it had mm -hmm. me stymied and it also prevented me from being able to see what I could take control mm. over, which was my own side of the street. And that is empowering. Yeah. It's, it's liberating. Um, and it's so it's peace giving, um, because we all want to be moving toward betterment, right? Mm -hmm. Like, um, mm -hmm. and so why not take control of the things that we can. So first of all, just, yeah, happy anniversary Thank you. <laughs> um, of the beginning of this friendship. And um, just really want to say, yeah, how helpful that that image still is. You know, yesterday, Pat and I were talking about um, a relationship in our life. And and it was so helpful, again, to use this language. I said, I know that I've forgiven that person. And I can say we're on the road to reconciliation. Like it is this process of um, coming to to really desire connection mm -hmm. and to really um, want to be, you know, in each other's lives again. Forgiveness actually doesn't require that. No. Like to forgive doesn't mean I have to be best friends or we have to be, you know, Saturday morning coffee pals. That's what I was just going to say is the the getting into kind of the more practicals about how forgiveness looks. What it sounds like you're saying, and I think we, you know, we could agree. Tell me if you look at this a different way, Father, is that forgiveness does not mean that we're going to have the same relationship we did before. Forgiveness does not mean that um, you, I, I will not forgive you until you clean up your issues, mm -hmm. until you make right the wrong that you have done. I'm not waiting for you to fix the problem necessarily. Forgiveness does not mean even that I can communicate to you that I have forgiven you. Mm -hmm. You know, there, there may be relationships that it would be unhealthy to tell someone that you have forgiven them because the relationship is so far gone. Maybe the person that I need to forgive is not alive anymore. Maybe their life on earth is over and I need to extend forgiveness, but there's no way for me to tell them. So there are all these stipulations that forgiveness does not require, right? It's a, it's a personal act. It's a gift that we give to others and ourselves. 
Yeah, I think just to kind of give, it might seem like a strange uh, analogy, but I'm going to go there, okay? <laughs> Beautiful. The stranger, so, the better. One, one of the things that I will never forget is when I got food poisoning at Burger King. <laughs> I, I, I will not go to Burger King ever again. <laughs> You've been burned? I've been, I've been burned. Good news, you're not missing I, much. <laughs> but so here's, here's how I bring this up, right? Is every Burger King going to give me food poisoning? Well, no, they'd be closed as a chain, right? Right. But I just have those memories that are attached to it that really just kind of stir up a lot of strife within me and even angst. Hmm. And so like, okay, does it mean that Burger King is bad? No. It just means that I don't feel comfortable going there and there's other food choices. Mm -hmm. So the same thing in regards to relationships, right? Let's say someone like profoundly hurt us and there's no way that we can get a reconciliation with them. Like, and we don't want to, we don't feel safe with them. Like maybe they were an abuser, right? Um, I mean, maybe they just did horrendous things or they're, they have narcissistic tendencies where they can't even own up to their thing. And even if you say like, well, here, here, I'll own up to my part. And they're like, well, good. You are a horrible person. You're right. Like, okay. This did not work well. <laughs> <laughs> so there are people that are just toxic that we can't get along with. Or they, they've, they have such um, a sway over our memory and our angst and even trauma responses that we can just say, hey, look, my side of the street's climb. I'm, I'm good with it. Like Burger King, I don't hate you. I'm just, I'm just not going to go to you anymore. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there, there, is, there is nothing anti-Christian about that. Mm-hmm. Like, just to say, like, I don't feel safe. I don't feel okay. It is okay to say that. And I think this is what the beautiful part of Christ's teaching on forgiveness is, is he doesn't say that you always have to go and fix it all. Because sometimes you can't. Sometimes you can't fix it. And to be able to say, well, what do I do then? What is my responsibility if I can't fix this? And it's to do what what, would... Jesus says is forgive seven times seven. Just mm. keep, keep, keep on forgiven. Mm-hmm. Well, and I also think too about Pat, something that you say a lot to our kids. I've heard you say it millions of times in talks and things like that, but like we are all called to love, like to, to will the good of the other does not have to mean being in relationship with them. And so, you know, to my knowledge, you aren't like on the social media slandering Burger King. So um, I, I am not, not Burger right. King. I am not. <laughs> Which, by the way, be careful with that because Burger King has one of the funnier, more snarky oh, no. social media oh, no. accounts in the world. They're start following us. Their, for my money, their Twitter account is way better than their food, if that says anything. <laughs> <laughs> wow. All right. Never thought I'd hear that. Okay. But, but I just, yeah, I want to be clear about that. Like that, that, that is what I think is so intriguing about Jesus is he says those things can exist together, Mm -hmm. that I can love you and will your good and also set a boundary and and say, I decide not to be connected with you or, you know, in a friendship or in an intimate way that those two things can exist together um, is huge. Well, the same Jesus who said, forgive 70 times seven, and you will only be forgiven to the extent that you forgive others. It's the same Jesus that said, if they don't let you stay in their town, shake the dust off and move on. Mm-hmm. It's the same Jesus that said, if if a brother won't listen to you when you bring your ad, ad, admonitions to him, your just admonitions, then at a certain point, you've just got to treat him like one of the Gentiles. And it doesn't mean you hate him. So like when, when James and John want to call down fire from heaven upon that village, Jesus says, no, moron. He didn't say morons. No, guys, that's not the way of love. But he does walk this line of it does not mean that you have to be in a tight, 
and comfortable relationship with everyone that you encounter. You are called to forgive though. And this is where even when Christ does use the word reconcile, right? He's like, if you know that your brother has something against you, leave your gifts at the altar, go and reconcile with him mm-hmm. and then come and offer, right? So even with that is listen to the verbiage. If you know your brother has something against you. Hmm. So you, you know your brother is hurting because he is aware of something that's going on. And so you go and you say, how can I reconcile? Is we want to be those bearers of peace. Mm-hmm. And this is what Christ says, blessed are the peacemakers. They shall be called sons and daughters of God. And, and so like that, that's where like even Christ teaching on reconciliation, he doesn't say, go to everyone. Yeah. Reconcile with everyone. Is like right. he, he wasn't delusional. He knew that that wasn't possible. And how many times he tried to even reconcile with the Pharisees and the scribes. And it was just like, no go. Like they wouldn't, <laughs> they wouldn't even listen. Yeah. And, well, and recently I was made aware, Father, of something, and I'm totally putting you on the spot. We didn't say we we're going to talk about this, but um, but we're going to go here. So um, that you do, which is checking in with, I assume it's brother priest that you live with usually, and I don't know what your wording is, but I just, I remember when you shared it that I was like, that in a family life, like whoa, that could change hearts and lives. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm, I, uh, have the blessing and the burden of being really empathetic. So like (laughs) if I notice that a brother, especially that I'm living with is kind of not engaging me in the same way that he normally would, I usually, my first, you know, inclination is like, I've done something wrong. So that's probably not always the healthiest (laughs) because I probably haven't always done something wrong, (laughs) but I do want to, I want to like what we call clear the air, clear the air is just to say, Hey, I think I may have wronged you. Can you help me to understand if I did? Cause I would like to own up to it. Hmm. And again, like that's like this perceiving that your brother has something and trying to reconcile. I mean, there's, there's, there's many times, especially cause I, I live with a bunch of guys where they're like, dude, what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and I'm like, I'm not talking about anything. Like, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, you want, you want to have a beer? Like, <laughs> but again, if you, if you do notice that you think someone else has something against you, it really is an act of mercy to try to bring that reconciliation about. Which is a good, helpful turn, I think, toward the question that I'm sure that, Kenna, you've heard in sessions with clients before. Father, I'm sure you've heard it in confessions and with counsel with folks. Getting toward the question of how do I forgive? You know, once once I'm convinced of of the command and the necessity, and once I'm convinced of the desire to do it, uh, how do I even begin the process? Yeah. So interestingly, we just before this aired the episode on radical acceptance mm-hmm. and, um, that we didn't actually think about the connection between the two, but I think that forgiveness can begin with radical acceptance because oftentimes for me personally, I notice resentment is in trying to replay and reimagine reality in a different way. Mm. Um, And radical acceptance could be that first step toward, yeah, that is what happened and that is the effect that it had on me. So getting real with the impact that it had or the impact that I had, you know, whether it's that Mm -hmm. I've been wronged or I've wronged another, um, just, just being rooted in the truth of what's going on so that we can start to you know, as we've talked about in our defensiveness episode, like divide up the blame pie and I'm going to start getting to work eating my piece of it. Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. so, so I think about that as like a first step. The other thing I think about is, um, kind of drawing from internal family systems, which again, we did an episode with Louisa Hall on that, um, modality of therapy, but it talks about the, the parts language and it can be really helpful to say like, 
a part of me, when I think about justice, Father, like a part of me is so incensed that mm. they could do such a thing. And that parts language just opens the door a little bit, mm-hmm. moving away from an absolutist 100%. Like the entirety of me thinks that that is so appalling that so-and-so did such and such a thing. Like it's hard to make any movement or to start to to head toward forgiveness or reconciliation. Um, but to just go, yeah, a part of me is so angry about that. And it's, maybe it sounds like semantics, but I know for me that language can be helpful to start to find some wiggle room to say, maybe there's a possibility that a part of me could also understand that they weren't in their right mind or, you know, whatever. I like when you said the percentage of blame pie. And I was, I was profoundly moved. I was talking with a friend of mine and I, I asked him permission if I could share this story. But he was struggling a lot with forgiveness of his father. His father had been passed away for a long time. And he just couldn't, he couldn't forgive his dad. He couldn't forgive. And there was no ability for, you know, a conversation, which kind of helps to ease some of the the issues around forgiveness. So he went on retreat and on retreat out of nowhere, he just felt God, the father say to him, what do you need to ask your father for forgiveness? And he said, I just started weeping. And he goes, it was only 5% of the pie, (laughs) but I had to own that 5%. And he's like, as soon as I owned my little piece of that pie, I was free. And like, it goes back to that side of the street thing is just to say like, okay, if if that other person just fixes all that stuff, then I'll be able to, you know, let it go. And it's like, well, just, just own the the pieces you do have. Right. And like, even if it was a hundred percent wrong done against you, but now you're the one harboring the unforgiveness okay, there's your 5%. Just mm-hmm. to say like, I, I, I actually, I'm sorry for holding unforgiveness and for hurting myself, for changing how I operate with others and for carrying that around instead of love. Hmm. So step one might be something like embracing the reality of the situation, you know, like radical acceptance. What, what is reality? What, what was done to me? What are the ways that I've been hurt? And what is my part of the blame pie? What are the things that I am partially responsible for? You know, um, I think it's really valuable too, as, as maybe a next step to, to pray and ask for the gift of forgiveness. Um, cause father, you mentioned that, and, and Kenny, you talked about this too, that justice is a very natural gift. We are, we are good at justice <laughs> and that's not an entirely bad thing. I mean, justice is a wonderful gift. Justice is one of the characteristics of God himself. So justice is a good thing. Justice alone is very dangerous and very problematic. So forgiveness, on the other hand, is not a natural gift. That's something that we have to learn. And it is a grace that we are given by God that I forget it was in grad school. I forget where the source was, but there was a reflection that we did one time about the idea that we can never, ever forgive without the grace of God, Mm. that God's work is active in every moment of forgiveness. Mm, So forgiveness is not something that I do by myself. I have to have God's help in forgiving every small thing, but especially the really big thing. So, so praying to God and involving him in the process is essential. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the ways that we do that too, and this is an activity that I learned uh, while I was in, I don't know if it was in, and it was probably after seminary, is kind of this realization I came to when I saw a different translation of the Our Father prayer, hmm. where it says, forgive us, forgive those, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Right. One of, I think, the literal definitions is forgive our debts as we forgive our debtors. 
And just like this, this kind of illumination of like, okay, what debt do I owe to others and what debt do people owe to me? And I just found this remarkable freedom. And I mean, I, I don't want to go into too many details because I don't want to out the person I'm talking about, but there was a really grave wrong done to me when I was in seminary and it haunted me for years afterwards to the point where like when we were in presbyteral gatherings and there were other priests, I would avoid that priest. I would like, if someone said anything bad about that other priest, I'd be like, yes, that's right. Like he is terrible. And like all of these kind of resentments inside. And so I just thought to myself, okay, forgive us our debts as we forgive those who are in debt to us. And I'm like, I'm holding this priest up for a fine. Hmm. And so I, I literally just, I just sat down in prayer and I said, okay, how much do I think they owe me? Like if I were to put all of this psychological and emotional pain of the wrong that I felt they did to me, what would it amount to? And I don't, I don't, again, this might sound really crazy, but I was like five grand, <laughs> five grand of damages. Mm -hmm. And so I literally pulled out my checkbook, checkbook. I wrote void first. All right. <laughs> <laughs> and I wrote two and I wrote it to the person <laughs> for $5,000. And I say, this is what I release. And it was so freeing to put a value on it, to actually physically write it down, to let it go that I can honestly say, then when I interacted with this priest or saw this priest at gatherings, I, I, was, I was honestly a free man hmm. because I had forgiven the debt. But I needed that concrete measure of actually putting a monetary value. And again, this is where I kind of cues off of justice. Like, I, I know values of money. Like, if someone owes me money, I don't forget. <laughs> like I know exactly what they owe me. Um, so it's just easy to kind of be able to say, okay, here's what I owe. And now it's gone. I love that. that that's such a great, um, very concrete way. I think of looking at forgiveness that, um, not that, not that every harm done to me can be equated to a monetary value, but putting something on it that, that helps me to see this is what I am sacrificing. I am willing to give up the debt owed to me for the sake of forgiveness of, of letting you go, letting me go of that debt. You know, um, I'm, I'm wondering father, what about situations where, you know, I've, I, I've been hurt and I've, I have forgiven, I've gone through that process of forgiving the debt, but it just keeps coming up in my mind. It's something that I, I'm mindful of from time to time. I still maybe have emotions and feelings around this person. Um, what do I do when this thing just doesn't seem to go away? Yeah, I think that's a great question. I get that a lot too in confessions where someone's like, Father, I've tried to forgive them, but it keeps coming up. Does that mean I've never forgiven them? Hmm. And I always say, no, actually forgiveness works in layers. <laughs> it's kind of like this ladder situation or onions as they use it. So we, we forgive people on deeper and deeper levels, right? So the priest that wronged me, I realized that the wrong that was done on one level, which was the initial wrong. However, as time goes by, I think about it in a different way. And so it hurts in different ways. Hmm. So I may have forgiven him on one level, but then it pops up again. And I think, again, this is, this is amazing Christ's psychology of forgive seven times seven. So he knew it's going to come up again. Hmm. It's not that like your first time wasn't good. It's, he's just like, it's going to come up in layers. And so it doesn't negate the fact that you have forgiven. It means that you're actually realizing the wrong hit on multiple levels. 
So when things come up again, we just have to again sit, sit down and say, okay, I guess the value's changed. Like there is some more debt that I have hmm. to release. And it doesn't mean that the first check was invalid. Hmm. Except that you wrote void on it, but that's a, yeah, fair, fair. It's a different kind of invalid. That's okay. Yeah. I, I'm generous, but not that generous. <laughs> People are rummaging in your father's trash can. Um, so, okay. So the, another thing that I'm thinking about in regard to that, like difficulty to forgive is it is forgiveness of self. And I imagine, you know, in your role again, as priest, as confessor, you hear that often. I know I hear it a lot mm. in my office. Mm. Um, and it, and it's tricky because I, I, I own both sides of this street. Yeah. I, you know, just how do we do that? Um, I think, you know, I was just talking to someone earlier this morning about how another clinician about how such a hallmark of our work with individuals is around self-compassion and it's, um, yeah, just we were reflecting on like, wow, that really is such a central tenet when someone is coming in in a place of a lot of shame and burdened with a lot of guilt or maybe even self-hatred. Um, and so, yeah, how do we begin to like untangle that, this forgiveness of self? Yeah, I like, I like to use the word compassion because what we love to do is we take the conscience we have now and then we judge the person that made the mistake in the past. Mm. Hmm. So, I mean, it is, it's literally the definition of cruelty if I had the same expectations of a 38-year-old as I have of a two-year-old. Mm. Hmm. And to say that a two-year-old thinks like a 38-year-old is absolute insanity. Like, no one would guarantee you that. Mm. <laughs> so when we go back oftentimes and we have that self-hatred, we don't take into consideration, like, what was my conscience like when I was 14? Definitely not developed, definitely driven by passions. But now I'm going to judge myself with my current mm. conscience, Yeah. which if I had my current conscience, I would have made different choices at 14. So I think that's like the initial step, honestly, in forgiving oneself is just to recognize like, okay, I got to have that compassion, as you mentioned, Kenna. Yeah. And it's not to say that I'm going to excuse the sins of my past, or I'm going to say that they are not sins. Because I was simply immature. I didn't make a poor choice. I didn't sin. I was just 13, you know. No, we can do both of those things. You know, I can, I can have compassion for myself because I know more now than I did then. I'm, I'm more close to the truth than I was then. And also, I can forgive myself for the things that I have done, which means that I'm looking at the wrongs that I've committed in the face, that I see the wrongs even while I'm having compassion with some of the things that were weak about me in the midst of the wrongs. Well, and it, and it also, I mean, it's this parallel, right? Like just as we can hold resentments against others and perseverate and kind of ruminate upon, fixate upon wrongs that they've committed to us, when we do that in our own selves, like, I can't believe I did that. I can't believe that was a choice I made. I can't, that's a similar thing. And, and there isn't growth. Like there isn't forward movement. There mm. isn't an ability to go, man, that sucks that I did that back then. And I'm so grateful now to know that that is not, kind, just loving, you know, whatever the thing is, um, life-giving. Um, so I think there's a similar process at play there. And so we want to be mindful that like, yeah, we can apply that, that to ourselves, like imprison our own selves in that kind of a process if we're not careful. I think a lot of times too, we, we forget the reality that we're just, we're, we're broken. Like we make mistakes. So when we look back at ourselves and we have unforgiveness to ourselves, a lot of times it's not allowing for permission to actually make mistakes. 
I mean, just on a daily basis, look how wrong our senses often are. Like, we're like, oh, it's really cold. Actually, it's 70 degrees in this room. It's not cold. Yeah. Okay, I guess I'm wrong. <laughs> like, we, we make mistakes constantly on perception levels. So then when we look at ourselves, it's like, no, you cannot make a mistake. It's like, well, of course I make a mistake. Like, I'll tell this to people in confession a lot. I said, I, I know you're really shocked by your sin, but God isn't. Mm. <laughs> like mm-hmm. he totally knows what we're capable of we are surprised of our sin because we're so full of ourselves <laughs> but god is not 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 scandalized by it he's like yeah i i'm not surprised what human beings are capable of mm. so in the, in the work of forgiving of self it's also to just owning the reality like i i am going to make mistakes i'm not going to have the best judgment and i'm not excusing my behavior but i'm also acknowledging reality hmm So to send people off to do this in real life, to forgive others, to forgive themselves. Again, we can't do it on our own. I can't do the process of forgiveness without God's grace. Um, So how would we start to send people off, Father, with a challenge by choice um, to to live this life of forgiveness? So I'm going to borrow from a book. Okay, you have to put it in the show notes. But it's Dr. Fred Luskin's book, Forgive for Good. And he gives two images to actually do this. And I really like, I pray with images a lot, so I'm going to be a little partial to this. But he says, imagine you're an air traffic controller and there's all of these planes in the sky and it's your job to bring the planes down onto the tarmac and then into the uh, hangars. And he said, now each one of those planes is an area of unforgiveness. And he's like, this is how it works in our mind is we have all of these areas of unforgiveness and it's cluttering the skies. (laughs) So we can't see clearly. We can't perceive clearly. We feel really like scared, almost like, like the sky is falling. And so just to start to land some of the planes, it doesn't mean resolve the issues or doesn't even mean to forgive. It just says just, just to land it because then when the skies are clear, we're able to decide which ones do we really want to triage first. Hmm. And so that's, I think that one of the, the challenge by choices is just to kind of see how many planes are up in your sky. Hmm. <laughs> see if you're just willing to land a couple just to kind of prioritize to say, okay, here's what I really want to work with. So we don't get discouraged or confused. Again, another image he uses is a cluttered room. Often when we go into a room that's a mess, we're just overwhelmed. But if we're just able to say like, okay, you know what? I'm just going to pick up the junk that's on the floor and just like put it in a bag and then move it out of the room. Sometimes it just allows us to kind of breathe a little bit lighter and then triage to see. So like, what is the next best thing Hmm. that I can do? So Where's the area of unforgiveness that's drawing my attention the most? I'm going to look at it and I'm just going to kind of acknowledge it and say, okay, am I ready to actually let go of it? So those would be kind of like the two practicals for challenge by choice. Do you want to add anything onto it? No, that sounds great. I'm, I I was already starting the activity. (laughs) You did look a little checked out. I was like, Ooh, that was the look on your face. (laughs) (laughs) Looking at the planes. (laughs) I was doing the clutter actually, but I'm more experienced with messy rooms. Is that right? Yeah. (laughs) Our boys room. That's what I was thinking of. Yeah. (laughs) I was thinking the basement actually. Well, father, would you uh, pray for us and help us to start this process of uh, supernatural forgiveness? I I will. And, And since we actually were talking a lot about 12 steps i'm going to use the the serenity prayer oh, i think it's, just, it's very prayer. fitting for yes. forgiveness yeah so in the name of the father the son and the holy spirit mm-hmm. god grant me the serenity to accept the things i cannot change the courage to change the things i can and the wisdom to know the difference we ask all this through christ our lord amen amen, amen. father son and the holy spirit amen amen, amen. 
Oh, thank you so much, Father. Thank you so much, Pat. Um, a conversation that I know we've all been waiting to be able to have on the pod. And so I'm grateful to, to be here and to share this, especially in this season of new life. Uh, it just feels so fitting. Um, so thank you to you, our dear listeners, um, for being with us for another episode of This Whole Life. Um, please let us know, how is this impacting you? Um, you can connect with us on the social media things, This Whole Life podcast. Um, send us a message through our website, thiswholelifepodcast.com. Um, we want to know what you're thinking, um, what subjects, what topics you want us to tackle. And uh, we know you love Father Nathan. So tell us what, what tough things have you got for him um, in particular. Until next time, God bless you and have a beautiful Christmas. You're not alone. This Whole Life is a production of the Martin Center for Integration. Visit us online at thiswholelifepodcast.com. Realize that F is a really hard word to improve. I really like, like that. Yeah. F giveness. Why is F yeah. giving? Why is F giving hard? F not. <laughs> I give no Fs sometimes. <laughs>